Howdy, y'all. Welcome to Hot Breath Podcast. This is your host, Joel Byers, with a quick disclaimer before we hop in here to this episode we call Boo 2016. I recorded this intro and outro and interludes or whatever you call them in between moving, so I ended up using the audio from my computer instead of my microphone, so I know most of you don't care about the actual audio quality, you just like the quality content within the episodes, but for those of you who are like, oh, it seems a little echoey, maybe you should put a noise gate, just understand that I understand that this is not the norm as far as the quality goes, but I had to go back and record this minute disclaimer that it may not sound the best in the intro and outro, but the stories in between are worth your time. Every Atlanta comedian has a story of getting booed. What is yours? You're going to try to make me cry in the introduction? <laughs> I got booed in Uptown like a bunch of times, man. The thing about comedy is there's no rule book. I think I'm funny, but he was booing me behind a wall. Whoa, I didn't even know you thought about these things. And uh, if the people don't like you, they throw these Nerf balls at you. There's no reason that made the ever happen. I didn't know that. Hit me in my forehead with a fucking Nerf ball. <laughs> and they booed the dog out of me. <laughs> yeah, ooh, no, no. Don't forget those. Well, you get better by making yourself uncomfortable. So you had to walk through the crowd after they boo your ass. <laughs> There's no better teacher than experience. I had a good time doing them, and I wouldn't say I wouldn't do them again. That was my, that's my boo story. <laughs> Hot breath. Hello. You know what time it is. Hot breath. <sighs> Welcome back to the Hot Breathiverse, Hot Brethren and Sisterin. This is your favorite host, Joel Byers, of your favorite podcast, Hot Breath. <sighs> That's right, we did it twice today because we have a twice as nice episode for the Happy New Year Hot Breath podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, just for you, I have supplied a compilation to kick off 2017 with the top 20 boo stories of 2016, aka hashtag boo2016. I had over 70 episodes to choose from. I whittled it down to just the choice, choice, choice stories for you this evening. So if you enjoy this, please hit me up on social media at Hot Breath Pod. Let me know what your favorite stories were or at Joel Byers Comedy. I also have a website, joelbyerscomedy.com. On there you can see links to my comedy class. I teach a stand-up class. So if you're looking to kind of up your game as far as writing and performing and maybe get some business insight, or if you're just a new comic that's a fan of comedy looking to learn more about it, go to my website, joelbyerscomedy.com or highwirecomedy.com as well. We teach sketch and improv is on top of stand-up and doing all sorts of live shows. It's really Hogwarts for comedy. But of course, I am Joel Byers, and I also just host a live show 
every Wednesday at Java Monkey in Decatur, Georgia, if you want to see me live. But we're kicking off this year with a bang. It's enough self-promotion. We're here for the stories, okay? And I couldn't think of a better way to start off this new year. Everybody's hating on 2016, so why not bring in some hating stories? We kicked off this new year with a new logo as well. I have to thank Comedy Artwork, Mr. Brian Taylor from At Comedy Artwork. Absolutely incredible artist who has worked with so many incredible comedians, and I'm honored to be on that roster. Go to his website, ComedyArtwork.com. Follow him on social media, At Comedy Artwork. He always has a new flyer, a new portrait. Go to my website, JoelBuyersComedy.com. Pretty much all the design, as far as my logo, my portrait, posters I have on there, was created by Comedy Artwork. He has really found my brand and my career has done nothing but climbed since then. So hit him up at Comedy Artwork. Hit me up if you enjoy this episode. Please reach out. Let me know what your favorite story was. I couldn't do this without you and your feedback will help build the fan base here of the Hot Breath of Verse. Another good way to build the fan base and let people know just, a, hey, there's a quality comedy podcast out there where you can actually listen and learn about important things besides what's on the grocery list or just a bunch of comedians just riffing. You know, we're here to actually not waste your time. We're here to let you listen and learn. Ooh, ooh, fancy, listen and learn, but... I said all I have to say. If you enjoy this episode, head on over to iTunes. Most of you are already there anyway. Just leave in a five-star review. If you write a review, I will read it live on the air. I read all of your reviews, and I greatly appreciate them. So thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to this very exclusive and first-of-its-kind Hot Breath episode all about boo stories so with that being said boo we have arrived we're gonna start off with one about me figured we'd kick it off I always ask people about boo stories so I went ahead and inserted a boo story from a podcast I did where it involves a bus <laughs> that's all I'll say it involves being on a bus, and uh, the show going great, of course, because what show wouldn't go great on a bus, but let's go ahead and dive into this journey together. Mm, this is going to be fun, so all there is left to do is inhale a hot breath, with Boo Thousand... 16. Nah. One of my favorites, it wasn't even on a stage, it was on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> I did with another Atlanta comic. We were promoting a show, at, like we were doing at Georgia State. And so we just rode around on the bus line, the Georgia State buses. The Panther bus? Yeah. Oh, okay. As they were shuttling people to Turner Field where they you parked. You were hired yeah. to do stand-up on a bus. Oh, there was no money involved. No, oh, this was all voluntary. Okay. <laughs> but, like, the bus driver, one of the bus drivers wouldn't even let us stand up. So we... <laughs> <laughs> Our whole point of doing stand-up comedy, we had to sit down. 
And then, you know, college kids. Was it on the speaker so of you the were bus? Just like... No, no, we were just yelling at these kids. <laughs> <laughs> It's college kids, you know, wearing their headphones, not even caring. And we're like, hey, here's a, people with dreams. <laughs> oh, so they have no idea who you were. You, they just thought oh, you were no. two crazy people sitting in the seats yelling it was at them? Really, yeah, there was no context to it at all. Oh, so when God. you say you bombed, were they, oh, like, just that. not laughing? Were they booing at you? Were they telling you to shut up? There were... A few, like, because we would ride to Turner Field and then back. So they were, we did, you know, we did about eight shows that day. <laughs> it was a big, you know, we, we really multi muscled up that day. Yeah. You so put your, some you put shows. Your time in that day. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. So some of the shows were killer. And then others people were having, I think they just got done with an exam they failed maybe and were just oh, really? not having it yet. Oh. So some were better than others. But I mean, I have been booed. I mean, I got booed at a place called Taboo. Oh really? Yeah, and it's, I it's, being booed isn't bad. You can always respond to that. Yeah, you, you know? boo them back. Yeah, you yeah. Exactly. respond you do? to that. But how do you yeah. react to a boo? Yeah, I just booed them back. Oh okay. Mmm, that was fun. It's me, Joel Byers, from the story of bombing on a bus. No, this isn't the movie Speed, but it is a terrible joke. So I'm just gonna hop in in between each story just to give you context for the interview really quick. This next story I have for you with Jack Thriller. This guy is the only comedian to be on 50 Cent's label. He now, I mean, there's too many things to name that he's done, but he gives a fun story of not only being a stripper, but also a stand-up stripper. So enjoy. I'm actually stripping and doing comedy at the same time. Right. And it's a lot of comedians that'll tell you mm -hmm. that I've actually like stripped on stage with my chaps on and a G-string on and whatnot is like one of my closing jokes and stuff. And I tell that joke about the guy that uh, that tried me. Wow. And that was my coup de grace. You must have got booed a lot. Yes, I did. <laughs> I was the boo master of the world. Yes. What's a, what's an epic story of getting booed you've got over your career? Uh, the, the best story of me getting booed? Yeah. Uh, it had to be, uh, it was Uptown Comedy Club, mm -hmm. I want to say 1999. Yeah, the original. The original mm -hmm. Uptown Comedy Club on Peachtree by Houston's <laughs> and Justin's and whatnot. I'm, I, I'm, I, I just meet Lil Duval for the first time. And his name is Roland Powell then. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, before he's Lil Duval. And I, I go over to talk to him. I say, hey, how you doing? My name is Honey Bun. Because my name was Honey Bun, too. Man, I had a whole bunch of shit wrong, man. I know it's a lot there. It's a lot. I, I, I went up to him. I was like, hey, what's happening, man? I'm, my, my name is Honey Bun. He's like, man, what the fuck? Honey bun. That was always usually the reaction, so I was kind of used to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, he had a uh, he pretty much ignored me, and um, it was time for me to go on stage. And uh, he was shooting his DVD called That Boy Funny that night too. And uh, Nard Nard hosted, right? You know Nard, yeah, yeah, I know Nard. Yeah, yeah, Nard used to be. This was back when he was thick and in shape. You know, he was the hottest guy in the city. I don't know if you ever heard. That he was the hottest guy in the city at one time. I heard he was like all into the hip hop world yeah, and everything. Everybody knew him. He was on TIL, all that shit. Mm -hmm. And anyway, he calls, hey, next coming to the stage, man, this dude got a funny name. Uh, Y'all start <laughs> clapping for Honey Bun. As soon as they said that TI was in there, Ludacris was in there, this is before they, they who they are. Mm -hmm. And they started booing me. They booing me before I get to the stage. But I, you know what? I, I thought I was sexy at the time, too. I had my shirt. I'm button I, and I'm and my chest was out and all that. So I'm walking to the stage, they're booing me, and, and I'm like, well, I don't know who they're booing. <laughs> and I get halfway there, I'm like, oh shit. 
They booing me. I should turn around now. Oh my God, I'm almost there. Oh God, this is embarrassing. It's a lot of bad bitches in here. Oh, I'm gonna get booed in front of the bad bitches. Oh shit, this bad bitch is booing me. And I'm on stage and they booing hard like, what the fuck? Fuck this nigga. He got there. They old faggot ass motherfucker. They, they was saying all this shit to me. And I'm I'm cussing back out of it. Man, fuck you. I'll beat your motherfucking ass. I'll come out there right now. Fuck this faggot. And just all you heard was fuck this faggot. Wow. Every, every uh, three seconds, fuck this faggot. And then they just start playing the music. Move, bitch. Get out huh. the way. Get out the way, bitch. Get out the way. Turn the lights off on me. It start raining in the club on me. Just on me. Like on the what? cartoon. Just raining on me, and I walked <laughs> off the stage and shit. And uh, Lil Duval said to me, "Hey, that was funny as hell. Hey, can I put you on my DVD getting booed?" And I was like, "Nigga, yeah, I would love to be on that shit." All right, the next one, the one and only Atlanta Zone, Lavar Walker. His interview has so many epic stories. This is just the one of many he's done. Shaq All Star Comedy Tour, Last Comic Standing, Kevin Hart Plastic Cup Boy. And now, Hot Breath Podcast. The worst, I think the worst one for me, I was dating this girl at the time. And uh, I was dating her. I was like, look, we all can go to, I called my my friends. They had their girl. Like, look, I'm going to perform. I'm going to do a little show at Uptown Comedy Corner Sunday night. <laughs> and the club was really, really small. So you had to walk through the crowd after they boo your ass. <laughs> so I'm there with my girl. We all looking nice. And my, my friends have got their girls or whatever. And the shit is packed. So they call me up. And I go up on stage and I smile at everybody. And I go black. <laughs> and they fucking boo the dog shit out of me. And I'm like, oh shit. So And then I had to sit there with everybody. <laughs> And, you know, you just feel naked. I just yeah. felt fucking naked in the room. It was horrifying, dude. It was horrifying. Like, uh, it was it was a long drive home, you know. What'd your girl say? She didn't really talk about it. Like, I don't even... <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? I don't even do... I was just so fucking out of it. Like, I can't believe this shit happened. I just, I just fucking cracked, man. I, I, you know, I went up there and literally blacked out. You didn't say anything? Nothing. I just looked at the crowd. No, I was like, hey. And that shit, I don't know what the fuck happened. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that shit happened. I got booed uptown like a bunch of times, man. The Daily Show's own Roy Wood Jr. dropped by the Hot breath averse after taping his Comedy Central special right here in Atlanta, Georgia. We met up at 7 a.m. the night after his taping to discuss a lot of good things I learned from this comedy vet, including this awesome boo story. The second time I touched a microphone was in the city of Atlanta, and that was at Uptown Comedy uh-huh. Corner <laughs> in Buckhead. Oh, the original? Yeah, okay. upstairs, the uh-huh. right next to P. Diddy's restaurant, Justin's, and mm-hmm. I would go there, I would get booed, and then I would <laughs> go to Justin's, and I, I remember the insult to injury. I got booed at Uptown, but I wanted to stay and watch some of the other comedians. But I didn't have cachet to like just stand around in a club. I wasn't a regular yet. Mm-hmm. So I got booed, and I decided to sit down at the table in the back of the room. 
and the waitress comes over and she goes, yeah, baby, you got to buy two things if you're going to be sitting here. I go, what the fuck? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, if you sit at a table, you got to buy drinks. These ain't no tables to be sitting and getting your life together. I was she like, said that? <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, she said that. What did you do to get booed? Just, I don't know, back comedy. I, I, uh-huh. I went on stage with a baseball cap on with a suit. I used to perform in suits, and I went on stage <laughs> with a baseball cap on, man. And this is before it was popular to wear a baseball cap. And now everybody does it. But I was a fucking pioneer back in 98. This next story goes international with the comedy legend Tom Rhodes. He tells one of the best stories of this whole Boothhausen 16 journey we're going on at the Edinburgh Festival. You have to hear to believe. Enjoy. The first time I went to the Edinburgh Comedy Festival, uh, what's well, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, mm-hmm. and um, was in the year 2000. And there's this show there called Late and Live. And all these people go there. The show starts at midnight. And then there's like, whatever, um, you know, five to ten comedians on, whatever it is. But the place is notorious for people going there and heckling. And uh, I I know a lot of English comedians won't even do the gig because, you know, uh, they don't want to be deloused and humiliated. Hmm. So this friend of mine, Rich Hall, was supposed to close the show. It was an all-American show. And every comedian, uh, and keep in mind, this was a year before September 11th, before everyone was shoulder to shoulder with America. Uh, It was the most, it turned into the most anti-American hate rally of all time. Every comedian is just getting crucified. It was slam, lambs to the slaughter. And my friend Rich Hall mysteriously uh, gets laryngitis backstage. And he asked me if I would cover his spot for him. And uh, me being the cocky son of a bitch I am, I thought, oh, my God, they're going to love me. So I walked out. They introduced me. And the sound man fucked me. Uh, The sound man played God Bless America as I walked out. (laughs) And this already rabid anti-American audience lost their shit. Before I even got to the microphone, they're yelling, fuck you, go back to America. Fuck you, go back to America. And I tried to start, and I couldn't get started. And uh, I actually had this very serene moment. I sat down Indian style on the stage, and I Mm. lit a cigarette, and I just took in this panoramic view. And I'll never forget all these ugly, contorted faces and the spittle coming out of their mouth as they're yelling, fuck you, go back to America. (laughs) So um, uh, that was kind of like my Vietnam. Mm. for years after that, I would wake up in the middle of the night in cold sweats, um, mm. thinking I was still on stage there. So two years ago, in 2014, I went and did the Edinburgh Comedy, uh, the Fringe Festival uh-huh. for the first time. And I, it, it's a month long, and I did the entire festival, and I, I, I did Late in Live six times. And nothing's changed. They still, <laughs> I mean, now they, I don't think they're as anti-American anymore. I mean, it's Scotland. There's, you know... Um, great wonderful people there but um the the the, it is pugilistic and you will get heckled and i was the sheriff i stood in it and i i I was like fuck you people i've been waiting 14 years Mm, to come back and wow and uh you know and and i i corrected this this bad memory that i had 
It was great. I really had a lot of fun. And I stopped <laughs> drinking. Right. So the first time I went on, I like was pounding all these beers just for liquid courage. And whatever choices I made wasn't right. This time, uh, I was, you know, completely sober and could stand there like John Wayne and, and um, smack them down like um, little Zika mosquitoes. One of my most popular episodes has been with Miss Pat, an Atlanta native who is now, if you haven't heard of her, most of you I'm sure have. She has <laughs> an amazing boo story that involves Nerf balls. So prepare yourself for that. I don't have a really boo story where I was like, boo, you know, like, mm-hmm. I've, I had a dude that tried me one time. We was doing, like, open mic over in the, um, um, fuck, it was a nice restaurant, uh, Louise's, Louis, New Orleans-style restaurant over off of Peachtree, mm-hmm. Peachtree Street. Uh, what is the name of it? Copeland's. So they used to oh, do God. comedy there at night. And it was this dude that was booing me. The place used to be packed. Nobody really listened to comedy. But he was booing me behind a wall, and he had a skull cap on. And I lit his ass up. So, I I mean, I've never been, I don't think I've been booed where I had to just leave the stage. Mm -hmm. I always fought back. Mm -hmm. So. What was, what's the story about you having Nerf balls thrown at you? uh, That's, oh, my God. (laughs) I was, um. I was with my friend Double D. You know Double D know if Double. you a comic from Atlanta. Yep. So he signed me up because I had been doing I had been doing open mic for about two three months. So we over at, at Griff. Um, he was Griff used to be on V one or three at yeah, the time. I know Griff. So we go to his room and uh, if the people don't like you, they throw these Nerf balls at you. I didn't know that. So as the people come into the comedy spot, they get a, they they pay their ticket money and they get they give them as many Nerf balls as they want. So Double D signed me up and I looked at him. He's like, come to the stage, Mid Pat. I'm like, who the fuck is Mid Pat? Like that's me. I was like, bitch, you you signed me up. He's like, yeah, you gotta start going on stage more. So I get up there. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, nervous, because I've never really been in front of a real comedy crowd, and I'm not doing well. And so this young dude, look, nice dressed black gentleman, hit me in the, my forehead <laughs> with a fucking Nerf ball. And I'm from the hood. I'm, I'm, I'm a battered bitch. You don't fucking hit me. And I said, nigga, did you just hit me in my head with that motherfucking ball? I said, hit me again, bitch. I'm going to jump off this stage, and I'm going to smash your motherfucking ass with that turtleneck on. Wow. And I picked that ball up, and I hit that some bitch in the chest, and the crowd just went raw. <laughs> that was my first standing ovation, running Jordan big ass in the corner, yep. hollering, yeah. screaming. And I said, I can't believe that motherfucker hit me with that. And it wasn't no regular. It was Nerf ball that kind of you bounce on the ground. That motherfucker hit me and put a dent in my forehead. And I got a big forehead. Yeah. That motherfucker brew, all I, I had a flashback of my baby daddy beating me. <laughs> I said, nigga hit me with another ball and it's gonna be on a day. And then I jumped up and said, fuck that shit, y'all, let's rob this nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Why I wanted to rob somebody at a comedy show, I don't know. Because I was going to rob him. Because right. I, I had just kind of like come out of the streets. Uh-huh. You don't fucking put your hands on me, dude. I worked too hard to keep a motherfucking hands off me. <laughs> that motherfucker put his hand on me. I tried. Oh, my God. I said, y'all, let's rob this nigga. <laughs> and the crowd said, hell yeah, let's rob him. I was like, well, what are we robbing him for? <laughs> what are we robbing him for? He was so scared of me. And he had on one of them big turtleneck. I said, now hit me with another ball, bitch. Mm-hmm. I choke your ass out with that goddamn turtleneck on. Pussy ass. Well, I was calling him everything. <laughs> oh, I was mad. I was really mad. Am I too loud? No, you're uh, good. I, I was wanna... really mad. So, 
that was my that's my boo story. I, t- I went home and you know like I'm, I was going through some lady problems. You know my, mm-hmm. my peer was on excuse mm-hmm. me French, and you don't fuck with no woman when they suck fucking psycho. On. Right. I was going crazy. I already had hormone problems. Then you hit a bitch in the head with a with, with a Nerf ball and my hormones messing up. Dude, I went home. I couldn't believe it. But we I used to have it on video. It's the funniest shit in the world. <laughs> I wanna look through my house because I told my husband I took it home and my kids laughed at me so hard. Yeah. They was on the floor. It's the funniest shit. I need to find that that VCR tape. That would go viral now. It probably would yeah. go viral. <laughs> Miss Pat gets smacked yeah. in the face with a nerve ball. So I find it only fitting that the next story I share is with the gentleman who hosts the show that Miss Pat got pelted with Nerf balls, and he goes by the name Griff. And Miss Pat, who has now moved on the last comic standing and released oh, her own Ms. book. Pat, and, I remember when Miss Pat yeah. is the shit. I'm so proud of her, man. Yeah. I remember when she first started, she was all over the place, and then she went mainstream when she went Indianapolis right. and became like that black girl on the white shows <laughs> and fixed her style and stopped and got away from doing black rooms where and start doing a hot... 22 and then turning that 22 into a solid 39 you know what i'm saying yeah. so I'm, I'm a fan of miss pat i love her i love her hustle but her story was doing a show where they were throwing nerf balls at people that was my show yeah oh that was, <laughs> yeah so i'm always trying to i was always you know to me comedy is the vaudeville throw a tomato at your ass like if you you know so i was trying to figure out how I could, and it was a process because some balls was too hard. And so, you know, uh-huh. you don't want to just hit somebody. But I had everybody in the audience had these Nerf balls, these as soft as I could get them. And they would throw them at the people when they was horrible. And I, I was just always trying to not emulate the Apollo or, you know, my thing is to shake keys. If they're not funny, shake keys. Just make, like... It should be just as fun as somebody bombing as it is them ripping for the audience. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just feel like that. And then <clears throat> then it's still fun because when you bomb and now the audience is uncomfortable and the right. host got to come out and be, and maybe he was funny or she was funny, and now they hate the host because yeah. the last person talked about the pastor mama or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I just always thought, let's have, if we going to boo people and make them feel bad, yeah. man, let's really hurt their feelings. Let's throw shit at them. So did you start the shaking of the keys, or did you hear I that? I saw Coco from Detroit, do that at all jokes aside in like 97. Okay. And I was like, I'm taking that for the rest of my life. I love it. I love it. Were there any others that you tried, but they just didn't work? Like you did the Nerf balls and the keys. Did you have some that didn't quite work out? Well, with me, when when the (laughs) bullets, hey, (laughs) shoot these motherfuckers. (laughs) No, uh, the, 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 the thing with the keys with me, I would have people shake their keys, and if they didn't have keys, I would make them say, keys! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, to yeah. me, that's still fun. That still make them fun. And then the crowd get into it. And I, So if you asking me, what's the, the time I got booed, man? Mm-hmm. The time that I got booed and it meant something... Because, you know, sometimes, yeah. first time I started, it was four people in the audience, and they booed me. I was like, <laughs> y'all ain't shit. And when I was like, y'all ain't shit, the bartender laughed. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was asked this dude, man, how you doing, man? Man, fuck off. Go back over there. And I was like, ooh, y'all came with the best spirit. And the bus boy laughed. So on my first day of stand-up, I realized, it, man, fuck the crowd. Like, mm. they hate you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do it for you. Like, I was making, I made the bartender laugh. I made the bus boy laugh. Just because these motherfuckers wasn't laughing, you know. Um, probably in, in, the, in June of 2010... I was on my way to Orlando. I was driving by myself. It was rainy. It was it was just an awful drive. You know, that six hour turned into almost eight. And then I was going straight to the club, changing the and then I figured, man, it rained and lightning and thundered the whole way down from Atlanta. I'm gonna get there, ain't no so my spirit was bad and I was just like and I got to the club and it was packed. Oof. It was absolutely nowhere to park. 400 people in this club. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm still mad. Like, now all these people here and it rained. And, you know, not knowing that Orlando people don't be tripping off rain. Like, it rained there. Like, you know what I'm saying? So my spirit was bad. And then I had got drunk before the Before show? I went on, oh, yeah, and, like, drinking too much. And, and the dude that brought me on, I, I really put him on. I'm the first person who, you know what I'm saying, maybe in 02 or something I put him on, you know? So he was like, man, this is my mentor. This is my guy. Uh, I love this dude. You're going to love me starting me. If it wasn't for him, I would, you know, getting the best. And I was like, hey, hurry up and... Bring me on. <laughs> oh I'm my drunk, right? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so he bring me on, and I'm like, hey, yeah, um, okay, where am I? Orlando. It rained and shit the whole way. And everybody was like, mm. And then I just remember mixing punchlines with the wrong jokes and just. You know how you step out your body and go, you are fucking up. <laughs> no one likes you. Look at the crowd. Get that heat on the back of your neck. Not even the heat, just the... I'm going to tell so... And then there was a dude I kind of joned. He was like, you welcome. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then, <laughs> but, I mean, the worst hour, just they faces, right? So then when I got off and then my man went on and he was like, I ain't expect that to happen. Like then he was joning me and shit. And uh-huh. I couldn't even say nothing. I was sitting on the edge of the bar, looking like all movies, telling the bartender, "Give me another one." <laughs> and and when it was over, my back was to the crowd when they was leaving, and somebody said, "There that motherfucker go right there." <laughs> Right? That was the first thing. And I ain't say nothing. I ain't say shit. And I was like, I ain't no motherfucker. And then uh, somebody walked, another couple walked past and said, that that nigga was horrible. And I turned around and said, hey, I'm not horrible. And somebody behind him said, yeah, you are. (laughs) Just sober. And And I remember... I watched everybody leave that club, and I watched my man talk to everybody, and I remember not one person came up to me and said, good show, because it wasn't. 400 people. It was so packed. Oh, I was disappointed. <laughs> it was did, awful. They didn't boo you, though. They they stuck through it? like They stuck through it. For an hour? But that's worse. That's a million deaths. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? That's like an arrow in the chest. Ah, arrow in the calf muscle. Uh, arrow in the shoulder. N- not hitting vital parts, but I'm going to stand up. <laughs> arrow in the bicep. Ouch. Arrow in the damn groin. Arrow in the right nipple. Just getting plucked off. It was worse. If you get booed, at least end quick. Cut your head off. Guillotine style. You know what I'm saying? It was the worst. It was the worst. I felt like the gladiator when he was all when they couldn't kill him, but yeah. they was trying their best, shanking him with everything they could. It was awful, though. That's to me physically getting boo, get off the stage. I I I don't. I got a short memory for that. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? But that 2010 show, homie, that. Yeah. That sucked, dog. I hated it. I hated my... F- and then I drove right back home. Cause he was, and he was like, I'm going to give you this money, but... <laughs> just because you my mans and them. But, uh... You know I ain't supposed to give you this money, right? And just driving back home the same night, mm. and it rained even more, and I just... Oh, man, and that was it. Make me feel bad again. Just think about it. Like you know, what I, I'm saying. I, I, I laughed. That's why I teared up over here, I know, man. I know. I'm I'm it. As a comedian, <laughs> woo. A thousand deaths, dog. <laughs> a, a thousand deaths. And that's not just starting out in comedy. You've been in the game a minute. That's what sucked the most. Yeah, I was in two. I was 15 years in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 10, yeah, yeah. 14 at least. You know what I'm saying? So it super sucked. Yeah, it super sucked. <laughs> this wouldn't be a hot breath episode without shouting out Atlanta's own Ronnie Jordan. He has helped me with so many interviews as far as researching and giving me fun behind-the-scenes insight into some of my guests, as well as into this awesome Boo story you're going to hear now. Oh, Boo. Okay. My Boo story is uh, this was my third time on stage. Uh, I went to Uptown. It's my first time on stage at Uptown, and uh, I'm on stage, and I like I said, I didn't have no material. I used to just, I was pretty good at roasting or playing a dozen, whatever you call it, wherever you live at. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of, you know, make up stuff off of that. And this is when I was smoking. Like, I, I used to smoke in college. I was still in college, right? Like, I was kind of like on academic probation, but I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't registered for class, but everybody thought I still was in school. <laughs> I just show up on the yard in my backpack like, yeah, class was crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> so I go to Uptown, and uh, I'm on stage, and shit ain't working. I, and uh, this lady says something, so I'm like, yes, it is time. Mm-hmm. So I hit her with a couple snaps, and she was like, uh-uh, honey. I didn't like that one either. Nope, I bought out my first row. <laughs> And I was like, and then Nard came on stage and was like, yeah, y'all take a picture of him so he can pay next time. And I was like, and then I got off stage and then I see, I, I'm sitting there with my head down and all I hear is they wasn't ready for you, dog. And I look up and it's the tiniest fist in this little Duval. And I was like, I want to oh. throw this little motherfucker. <laughs> so the second time I bombed, this, this rolls into the second time, I got good a little bit, right? I did. Uh-huh. I, I went about six times. You know, okay. I'm a seasoned vet. You're a vet at this point. So uh, Wanda Smith had the aquarium. Everybody knows Wanda Smith when uh, she's on the radio. She has a crazy fan base. The ladies love her, but it's like older, like not even older, just grown women 
in the crowd mostly. So you if you cuss, it's Wanda. Wanda can cuss because Wanda they love Wanda. But mm-hmm. like younger guys, you got to kind of like ease your way into it, kind of earn their trust. So I did a joke, uh, one of my ending jokes that a lot of people like. It's called. It was when I first started. It was called. Uh, I did it with, do it with a honey bun, right? So the shit did not work at all. Oh. I was a DJ Cowboy was DJing, <laughs> and it was at the aquarium on Memorial as a Memorial Drive, whatever. So they have this big wall between the stage and the crowd. So they have stairs on it, and I'm sitting on the stairs. Nobody can see me. I just died. Uh. All I hear is they weren't ready for you, dog. <laughs> And I see the tiniest fist, and it was Lil Duval. I wanted to throw his ass. That's how we got cool, though. Like, he's cool. Like, me and him was cool. And he tells a story now. He's like, man, I seen Ronnie Joy eat the whole honey bun. Like, that's (laughs) how he tells the story now. Because you got to commit to that bit. I've seen you do that bit. Yeah, it was, yeah, man. But this was a long time ago. It was like 03, 02, maybe. Maybe 01. No, it was 01. It was 2001. Were you doing it to music back then? Yeah, it was only, the the Alicia Keys song was new. It had just came out. Fallen Mm. just dropped. (laughs) That's how long ago this shit was, Joe Byers. Fallen was the top, the hot shit, top eight of eight shit. So mm-hmm. I didn't have no other songs, and it was just uh, so it had to develop over you know time. Another Atlanta vet you've heard mentioned, Kelly K Dub Walker. He's been on so many TV shows, including now he's on Ti's Grand Hustle label. Not only a great comedian, but a great interview. I ain't never really got boo ever. No, never in my career ever. I got booed. I can tell you when I got booed and why I got booed. I okay. got booed because I called. I went to Clark, Atlanta. Okay, and you know everybody do the joke about if you can't, you could can take a dick. You can take a joke. I said that on stage, and half of the gay people jumped up. And they was like, I was ripping because I was young. I was their age. I was uh-huh. doing exactly what they wanted me to do. The buffoonery and everything. But I <laughs> messed around and got too cocky at Clark. Me, Big Sean, comedian Tiny was there. Big Sean was there. And uh, somebody else was there. I think Spank, Plastic Cup Boy, Spank. Okay. Man, they whole thing, boo. Whole thing, boo. <laughs> I walked up by there. Walked smooth up by there. Cause, and then one time at Uptown, I, Ronnie Jordan had just ripped. And soon as Nar used to put us in competition. Okay. The way I host is the way Nar hosts. Okay. The way how I be like, listen, if they ain't funny, blah, 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 that's Nar all day. All day. Ronnie Jordan ripped. You know Ronnie Jordan, right? Oh, Ronnie Jordan. He's been on here before. Yeah. yeah. Ronnie Jordan ripped like he always did. Yep. And Nar said, let's keep your thing rolling, man. Y'all get it for K Dub. Soon as I got on stage, it wasn't that I couldn't rip. I was mean, very. I was super mean. Yeah. Soon as I got on stage, I said, how y'all doing? The fat girl in the front said, you better be funny. I said, fuck you, fat bitch. <laughs> I was already pissed because Nard, I knew what he was doing. I'm already frustrated because he did that. Soon as I said that, that whole table said, boo, the whole crowd. Skull Bubble was like us. He came up. You can't go on stage and call nobody no fat bitch now. <laughs> so that was my two boos. Other than that, I ain't, I ain't never been on stage telling jokes and heard a boo over there silently. Never. And I ain't bragging. I ain't knocking on wood because I don't give a fuck if I get booed. Mama Dulce is coming up next, a.k.a. Dulce Sloan. She's been on Conan, the Steve Harvey Show, Hot Breath Podcast. So, all those good things. Let's hear an even better story of failure. We all do it. Welcome. Like, I'd done two auditions while I was there. 
or an audition already while I was there. And I was like, oh, maybe it's something I did tape for. And he was like, you won. And I was like, I won what? <laughs> He's like, NBC. And I was like, uh, fuck are you talking about? Um, so he's like, yeah, you won. I was like, let's wait until January. He's like, well, they figured out who the winner was. So you need to give a statement for the press release. Oh. So I uh, did that. And uh, it's a 12-month talent deal. And, you know, it's auditioning with them and, you know, working with them and just seeing everything that I can do. You know, just be like, hey, Tone, what's this mean? So, you know, maybe he can explain all of it to me. Because people are like, you won. What what the fuck? What is what is this mean? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I know all of it. <laughs> Not quite sure I fully understand. Let me look at my contract, figure it all out. So uh, they did a press release the following Thursday. And I was coming back from Nashville. And I was, because uh, for you, both of you that don't know, Ash, no, Nashville is four hours from Atlanta. So I had just gotten into Georgia. I was probably like 15 miles into the state and my tire blew. Mm. Tire split down the side, <laughs> tire blew. And now I'm on the side of the road, I'm hungry, I have to pee and it's a special time in a young girl's life. So I was very upset. Wow. And I'm sitting on the side of the road freaking out like, fuck, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna do? And I have to pee. And I started, the first text I got was from Big Kenny. And he was like, oh, congratulations. And I was like, huh? He's like, congratulations, I saw it on Twitter. And so I went on Twitter because Deadline is the one that put it out. And uh, I go on Twitter and I look at the timestamp. When the press release hit is when my tire blew. Two minutes of each other. Oh my gosh. So I was like, your life is changing. Your life is exactly the same. <laughs> so I was like, fuck this. So I pee on the side of the road. <laughs> change my clothes so I can change his fucking tire. Get all the lug nuts loosened and then some white dad stopped. And I know he's a white dad because he was white and summons in the car. And uh, he was like, go stand over there. And I was like, okay. And he changed my tire, lickety split. And uh, then I went to Walmart because you know you're in a country ass place when there's an auto center at your local Walmart. And you're like, so what happened? I said, my tire blew. Da -da -da -da. So I'm joking around with them. I said, yeah, you know what else happened today? And then I showed them the press release and they were like, this, that's funny. I was like, why the <laughs> fuck does everybody think this is hilarious? Because it is hilarious. Oh my God. Paul Provenza is one of my favorite comics. He's been doing comedy for decades. He's worked with all the greats. I sat down with him while he was in town here in Atlanta for the Laughing Skull Festival. He shared so many amazing behind-the-scenes stories with comics that you've only heard folklore about. This guy's worked with them, and he has a great story of working with one of the greats, Rodney Dangerfield. Um, I, I will tell you this is this is slightly slight variation on the premise of telling you a boo story. Okay, uh, I was. Uh, Pretty young, pretty new to comedy, maybe only only in a couple of years, uh, and uh, hanging out at the Improv in New York every night. And uh, Rodney used to pop in and do, do guest sets all the time. Wow! And he'd work out his Tonight Show stuff. Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield, yeah. yeah. And um, very cool cat. I mean, like you could turn around and tell him a joke. You know, like you come in do a set, give me fifty bucks for a joke. You know. <laughs> uh, um, uh, anyway. Uh, being a young comic and not having a lot of seniority, uh, the way it worked back then was you just hung out. You came to the club every night. 
they didn't you didn't know if you were going to get on or not but you came every night you had to show that kind of commitment they knew you were serious about this right and um it worked on a seniority basis so whoever was there with the higher seniority had been there longer would be the next person to go up on stage so because i was very very new you know, I wasn't getting on stage very much, so it's just hanging out and hanging out. And this one night, somebody didn't show, or somebody was running late, whatever the case may be, and I happened to be the only comic that was there. And it was like prime time. Wow. Midweek, but prime time, <laughs> you know. And they were like, you're up next. And that was, it was all chaos. You never knew. You could uh -huh. be up, you never knew when you were going to go up. Uh -huh. You couldn't plan a life. Is every night I'm at the improv from like eight o'clock to two in the morning, three Jeez. in the morning, you know? Uh, so this one night out of nowhere, all of a sudden I'm the next guy on deck. I'm like, oh my God, this is it. I'm, I'm all excited and everything. And, sh and as the guy, as the MC is introducing me, Rodney walks in and goes, hey, can I go up? And they bring Rodney on. I'm, I'm standing, in the, oh. standing in this hallway so the MC can see you under, you under this light so the MC can see who they're bringing up next. And so and Rod, they bring Rodney right up in front of me. He's under the light. They bring him up. And it's like, ah, oh, so bummed I can get to my spot. Well, I ended up getting my spot, but I had to follow <laughs> Rodney. <laughs> and Rodney just <laughs> tore the roof off the place, uh -huh. did like, you know, 25 minutes or something like that, and just, you know, blew the roof. And his energy was just incredible. I mean, he, yeah. was, he was really energetic on stage, sweating like crazy, you know, and everything. And, and the room was just devastated, and I had to go up and follow that, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And uh, it was one of the most miserable nights of my life. <laughs> uh, and, and one of the greatest nights at the same time. Uh -huh. You know? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I got to see that. I got this great story. You know, Rodney chatted afterwards. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, kid. I didn't mean to fuck you up. You know? <laughs> uh, and, uh, um, uh, but at the same time, it's like, you know, the set was just, I just couldn't wait to get off stage. And it was like, oh, here's my big break. Finally getting a spot. He's maybe my first spot in three weeks, mm -hmm. you know? And I come off and I'm so dejected. I'm just so dejected. And there happened to be this woman in the in the showroom who was a, a sketch artist. And she was just like doing doodles and things, you know, and she's making these pictures. And, and afterwards she comes up to me. I'm in, I'm in the bar, like my head in my hands like this. And I'm just like, oh, you know, ready to kill myself. And it was like, I want to go home. But at the same time, I can't face dealing with the subway right now, and, you know. <laughs> and, um, and she comes up and she goes, hey, I... I uh, I just drew a picture. You might want it. And she hands it to me, and it's this, in, in the lower right-hand corner. It's just this little sketch of me. And the entire rest of the page is Rodney looming. <laughs> looming. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, nailed it. Not only do I interview comedians, I like to interview people even just connected to comedy. And Mindy Tucker is comedy's photographer, one of the best in the game. You've heard of her. If you haven't heard of her, you've seen her photos. She's photographed everybody. I sat down with her during the Red Clay Comedy Festival here in Atlanta. And she's not only a photographer, but she's also an artist. So I got her to share a spin on a boo story with how she bombed painting an eight-foot painting. This is one for the records. I mean, pick an era. Gosh. <laughs> Everybody always like, there's too many to... Yeah, I mean, there are so many. It's just, it's so much failure. Mm -hmm. I mean, God, let me see a specific one. Uh, I mean, as a painter, 
many, many bombs for a while. I was really obsessed with painting big because I had come back from Italy and seen um, those Caravaggios. And I was just obsessed with like, how do you, how do you control a space that large? And how large um, are you talking? Uh, six feet by eight feet. Wow. I, did, I did a bunch of six feet by eight feet paintings. Wow. And the thing is they were constructed on very heavy wood stretchers. And so when I was applying for grad school, uh, there was this painting that I was trying to do a slide of, and I had to keep moving around to get the lighting just right on it. So there weren't any shadows. And, mm. you know, it was like so important because I need that scholarship for graduate school or I was never going to get out of Alabama. <laughs> and, um, but I also was like, I can do this all myself. I can do it all myself. I know I can. I know I can. Mm. Um, cause I didn't, didn't have anyone to help me. And, uh, so I was trying to do slides of this really uh, just bad, bad painting, a bad painting. It's really bad. I don't know. Thank you, Yukon, for letting me in. I, I was about did. to say, you still got a scholarship I out did, of it. Yeah. I did, but it was a bad painting. I was trying to do a slide of it, and I went to go move it around, and it fell, and it fell on my toe, and I broke my toe. Oh. <laughs> so that was a bad painting and a bad photo shoot. Yeah. 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 That yeah. I did by myself. So that was one. <laughs> that was one. Yeah. You breaking your toe is definitely that's a good bombing story for yeah. for art. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if a comedian broke his toe on stage, that would be his bombing story. So I'll accept that. That's great. <laughs> this whole hot breath episode would not be complete without a story of getting attacked on stage. So one of my favorite comics, Ryan Singer, shares a story of being attacked on stage and making a new friend in the process. But when I was very young, I was at a, it was a bar show I ran and uh, there was never anybody at this thing. It was every Tuesday night out by this Wright State University. Um, it was at this bar, just like a real college bar, you know, where there was a huge crowd for a DJ, but nobody would come see our fucking comedy show beforehand. <laughs> and it just made me so mad. <laughs> It made me so mad that some dude playing other people's stuff mm -hmm. had such a mass. The masses would come to watch that when people were creating original art or content and nobody would watch it. And, you know, that still bothers me. Yeah, I like agree. When I see billboards for DJs, I'm just like, ugh. But I try not to be that way because there's something about really good DJs that are like, oh, they're doing something. You know, I mm -hmm. don't quite understand it, but they're doing something um, that takes that I could not do. So um, I don't want people to like go away and be like, oh, Ryan Singer really hates DJs because I don't. No, I mean, there's. I'm just there's... kind of like, I'm kind of baffled by the whole phenomenon. How there's like, but anyway. It used to really bother me that this DJ, who I liked, is a nice guy, but and it's just like it, you couldn't fit in the place. Uh, it couldn't be. It couldn't be a more of a contrast. And Dang. then one time, this guy was there at our show, and he was like one of the only people there. And he and I was going up last, and he was just heckling everybody the whole time, and we couldn't get him to shut up. And he was calling everybody a faggot, and uh, this made me really mad. And because uh, he was like one of these dudes that was, you know probably lying to himself about his own sexuality and you know this is what 13 years ago and uh so by the time i went up on stage i was like i was furious by the time i even got up there and he immediately 
heckled me. And I uh, said something about my hair, and he also had curly hair. And then uh, he called me a faggot, too. And I was like, oh, I think I said something along the lines of, you know what, I don't take that as an insult. I take that as a compliment that I'd be willing to be honest about a, a lifestyle choice that I know would be ridiculed. That, that, shows, that shows me that you think I'm very brave. And then he didn't like that. So he stood up, pulled his pants down, and mooned me. <laughs> Which I thought was an interesting choice. And as he mooned me, I realized he had a shaved, hairless, perfectly tanned ass. And he was like this white guy, right? Right. And so I go, I also find it really interesting that, <laughs> that you're calling people homosexuals and you, you have a tan shaved ass as if preparing it for sexual activity <laughs> making it presentable right and uh or more attractive and he didn't like that so he comes up on stage and takes a swing at me Whoa. and uh he gets he swung at me with his right hand and he got the nip of the tip of my nose with his knuckle um and then I'm proud of myself because I, I didn't let go of the mic stand. Like, I just kind of leaned back, dodged it a la Matrix. <laughs> yeah. Didn't let go of the mic in my uh, hand or the mic stand in my right hand. And then next thing you know, my buddy who was a bouncer there, because, you know, I, I was there every Tuesday, so these I was friends with all the staff. It was this big guy named Big Joe. Next thing you know, he just appears out of the darkness and with one hand just picks the guy up from, like, the back collar and just throws him into the wall. And the guy kind of just crumples down into a pile. Wow. Um, and then Big Joe grabs the mic <laughs> from my hand, and he goes, I'm the baddest motherfucker in here. And if anybody wants to fuck with him, they got to go through me. <laughs> and then, you know, all nine people that were in there. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then every time I ran wow. into that dude later, he bought me a beer and a shot. Wow. Uh, the guy who punched, who swung at me. Uh -huh. And because he uh, repeatedly said that he was uh, really drunk on cocaine and was in like the worst place he'd ever been in his life and mm -hmm. was really lashing out at people for uh, for no reason. And because uh, I guess he'd just been heartbroken or something. And uh, he couldn't have been more apologetic about it. I mean, for years afterwards, I would see him randomly at a bar somewhere in Dayton. And he would buy me a shot and a beer every time. Wow. So, yeah, that's probably the craziest thing that ever happened to me on stage. That is being sufficient. physically attacked. Yes. <laughs> and it was actually a goal of mine at the time to be attacked physically. Because um, I was like, this is how screwed up I This was when the first five-year period I was telling you about. Right. Where I was like, I want to defeat a heckler so badly with words that they have no choice but to attack me physically. Because they have no words to come back at me. Because that's how badly I've defeated them. And that was one of my goals. And then when it was actually happening, I was terrified. Marcus Harvey, a.k.a. The Barber Star, is not only the barber of epic people like Steph Curry. He's cut LeBron James hair. But he's also an amazing comedian. And he has an amazing boo story right now. Oh, I have, I have the best story of bombing because I used to do it so 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 often <laughs> I mean it was like at, it, it felt like at one point I was doing comedy to bomb 
<laughs> I had a month where it was terrible, like <laughs> terrible comedy that was just working two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. All confidence had just lost. I don't know what was going on. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, this is this is one of the stories that really hit me. I'm gonna give you one of the church a church version. Ooh, okay. You want to hear me, my church bombing, or do you want to? Of course, I can't say church bombing. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> I can't laugh at that. Can't la- no one can laugh at that. Yeah. <clears throat> Correctness. Yeah, okay. whatever your favorite is, or you can do both. Really, okay. If they're All both right. epic. So I did this um I did this this church, right? Oh, he dabbed on the sneeze. <laughs> he dabbed on the sneeze. I did this, um there used to be this preacher named Juanita Bynum, right? Okay. So she was really, really heavy into like the women, like as a leader for the women. So I did a comedy show, a Valentine's Day comedy show. At Juanita Bynum's church. It's supposed to be for the couples ministry, not couples ministry, but like singles ministry, right? Which is like all the single people, right? And they come to this comedy show. Okay. Brother, there was nothing but women there. So imagine going to them thinking that they're going to go maybe catch him, catch him one little Boaz, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> At this church comedy show. <laughs> and I come on, and I come on talk about, yeah, me and my wife. Mm. So it was like poor ch- poor judgment back right. in the day. Yeah. yeah, so now I'm talking about me and my wife, and they just sitting up there looking like... So like, I heard one of the ch- church ladies, she's like, you might need to sit down, baby. <laughs> in the back of the church. Church lady. Church lady. Wow. Sat down. How long into your set was that? That was like three minutes into my set. Get out of here. Three minutes into my set. How long much time were you supposed to do? I was supposed to do 15. <laughs> 15 minutes. <laughs> but at this time, all I really had was seven. So I was hoping that somebody right. would pull the shoot for me yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody got to pull this shoot for me right now. All right. And then my um, uptown comedy bombing joke. That's oh, where a lot gosh. of them are. So it was uh, not Zoo Man. It was Laugh Love was hosting. Okay, I said this joke about um, a bicycle cop, right? And so this was on Wednesday. It was on the bomb. You know the. So I get on the stage. Wednesday was when they boo you. Yeah, yeah, keys. keys. Uh, yeah, brother. Okay, I get on this stage and I was trying to to add something. I don't know why I would even think to add anything at Uptown. You just go in with a regular set definitely, and give these people <laughs> what they want. Maybe some dick jokes. Maybe some head jokes. Ladies, you ever get head and you ever let me just... That's what they like at Uptown. I'm talking about I'm a bicycle cop, right? Right. Already poor judgment. <laughs> Black folks don't want to hear about no bicycle cop. And then I get on the stool and I like do this motion. Oh, wow. Bruh. My wife was in the stands. All I heard was like, <laughs> it was like it was like a roar. It's like a tidal wave of like keys. I look back and I see my wife trying to put the keys down too. Like, <laughs> Tina, did you just did you just key me off your husband? So then I get off the stage and oh, old boy plays. So you had a bad day, yeah. man. I felt so terrible. And then, and then Laugh Love got, got on me later on about the joke, you know, on stage. Embarrassed me a little bit more. But now I'm popping. So keep laughing. Laugh Love. <laughs> look, look where I'm at now, motherfucker. Who wants a line tight now, Laugh? Who wants a line tight now? 
Yeah, man. So just bombing. It was a. I thought I was Al Qaeda for a minute, you know. But it's beautiful that your wife was there to see that. So you guys no, started at the bottom. Now you're here. Now we're here. But my wife participated in the keying. <laughs> That's the terrible part about it. Like, as I'm coming back, I'm seeing her put her keys up. Like, right, right. Why were the keys out, Tina? Oh no, you did a good. Jo- no, you did a good job. No, don't. It, okay, listen. That's when that's when you know it's all bad. So that's what happened. Uh-huh. Fresh off her performance on the Colbert Show, Emma Williams sat down with me while in town here at the Laughing Skull to share a fun story of performing comedy at a funeral. Mm. Okay, the worst one that was the most ridiculous. Like the most ridiculous was my friend asked me to do a fundraiser. It was like four in the afternoon, and it was for an organization for. Um, Someone who just died. Mm. It was like, I think the organization helped offset funeral costs. So we get there and everyone is clearly in mourning. And I was like, do they want a comedy show? And they're like, the guy that died loved comedy. So we're doing it for him. No one wants to be here. Fuck. So the first person gets up and is like, you know, we basically, we can't pay for the funeral. So we really need you guys to support right now. Help pay for this funeral. We can't believe he's gone. Your first comedian um, <laughs> uh, has been on Access TV. I've never heard of that. I'm not sure if it's a thing, but that's what she put down for her credits. So. Oh, my gosh. God, I miss David. Uh, here's – and then that. And then I was like – and then right when I went on, I was like, I can't believe that this is awful. Like, please, like, my condolences to David and his family. And people were just like, yeah. And then I was like – so, like, it was just a fucking mess. Yeah. It was just a mess. <laughs> Nothing. And then I remember my friend Robin went on she after died. me and actually did pretty good. Oh, wow. Yeah, or okay. she just, like, kind of, she just, like, went, she didn't start with the, my condolences. Like, she just went and did her set. Right, right, and, like, right. Like, I was too in the moment of the death. Right. The next Boo 2016 story is with Atlanta favorite Joe Pettis. Not only is he a great comedian, he's a great show producer that produces the top shows in the city, and he has one of the top boo stories of this hot breath episode. Tune in, turn up. I did maybe two months into comedy. Okay, I entered the the competition at the Comedy Catch in Chattanooga, mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah, and then uh, it was like I went last. It was like three hours in, and I was just at the time I was just really dirty. Like I had a joke about, I had a joke about going down a woman in a coma. Jeez, because I, I was like, because it, it was something about eating vegetables. Oh my! God. Yeah, and I had like, I I think I had a joke about fucking a cat. Maybe it just ran like really bad stuff that you're gonna win a competition with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I I was so confident that I was gonna win. I was like, yeah, put me last. I got this shit. And then and then uh, it, the it was a full house. It was like maybe two three hundred people, and half of them. We're there to see uh, a Southern Baptist like pastor wow. who went to the competition. And you could tell who they were too, because they were all wearing like the shirt, like the, a T-shirt for him, and they all had like soda cups on their tables instead of alcoholic drinks. Or whatever. Uh-huh. And I remember like my like not like a minute in one like there's one table that was totally into one table, and then all of them were just kind of standing. Me and eventually like one minute, some some just like boo. <laughs> And I was like, all right, this isn't going as well as I thought it would. And then I, I knew I was eating it, so I kind of wrapped up short. I was like, all right, I'm out. And as I was getting off, the host was like, wait, wait. And I forgot. It was like a competition, so they make you stand on stage afterwards. Oh. 
and then the judges critique you. Oh. It's like, I know I just did horrible, and then uh-huh. now they're going to tell me <laughs> I did horrible. You know, I, 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 I was tempted to just... And the funny thing is, I, when I, for some reason, I was, like, I was real nervous, and I was getting like, off. So I closed on my set. I was like, all right, thanks. See y'all later. Like I don't like like I was gonna like they were all like I was gonna possibly see them later. Right, right, right. And the one the judge even mentioned that he's like, I don't know when you think you'll be seeing this crowd again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I think that might have been the only time I was actually booed. Uh huh. You know. Uh, yeah, and that was I was like that was a very eye opening experience. And that was from white people. Yeah, yeah. Tip, you get booed yeah, by white people. white people. Yeah, I I, ne- I think that never. I, I've never. I I I, I think I got. I got the I got kind of booed. Uh, the one of the last urban shows I ever did was like years ago. Mm-hmm. At the same time, my my material was kind of changing. When I was dirtier. Like I did really well at urban shows, and when I started cleaning up my act, it didn't. Or I was getting more personal for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. It didn't do as well. And I remember I did joke about. I made a joke about sucking dicks, and <laughs> I got booed. And they're like boo, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I've been booed a couple times. <laughs> I've had, but I've had, I've had more just indifference. Or what throws me off more is like when people are yelling, like trying to help you out by yelling and stuff. Or like when, when Sony knows in the audience and they're heckling you. Like that's like the, that's more, th- that throws me off more than anything. Yeah, yeah. That's when I'm like, Sh- shut the fuck up, Stephanie. You know, like, <laughs> what, what are you doing? <laughs> when I interviewed Josh Harris, we discussed everything from religion to addiction to bombing on his television debut. This one's for you. Oh, you want a boo? Are <laughs> you want a boo story or just like a bomb story or uh, both? Whatever you got, man. Um, I say the the Kraken. The, <laughs> the the a boo a, a bad boo story was um, one time I was doing a show in this <laughs> sketchy place in this sketchy area of Atlanta, and um, this guy started to boo me. Now this is this is years ago, and you know. Um, I would say I've, I hope, definitely grown spiritually since then. But this was, like, a long time ago. I mean, this was five, six years ago or something. And okay. back in the day, you know, I would I, – I got – I got so angry with hecklers. I mean, it wasn't even like, oh, <laughs> that's too. cute. Yeah. I was like – I turned – I had, like, Terminator vision. You know what I mean? And I was like, <laughs> I've got to, like, destroy you, you know? And so I – um. This guy starts to heckle me. Oh, no, he doesn't even heckle me. He just starts to boo. He's hammered in the back of this club. And I just go off. You know what I mean? And it's not pretty. I mean, I'm I'm saying some some things that are not in flattering of my character. And I'm just <laughs> just laying into him, you know. You you know. Anyway, so he comes back at me and um st- and starts like yelling all these obscenities at me and like uh-huh. you know uh charges the stage and gets like 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 not like maybe a foot away from me and starts he's just cussing me out and he's saying if you don't get off the stage I'm going to beat you up oh and he could have beat me up and so uh I just froze and I looked at the audience I said um should I s- say anything or should I keep telling my jokes and they're like no and i go thank you very much and i put and i was the headliner 
It's not even the joke. I was the headliner, and a guy threatened to beat me up, and I had to walk. I grabbed my check. and. Oh, you still got paid, though. I did still get paid. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was. I still got paid. Oh, um, man. Then Urban Room? I'm not. I don't. I'm not going to. I don't want to. I don't know if it was that. It was just. Okay. It was just a room, you we'll, know. We'll move on to the next one. You yeah. got a couple in the chamber there. And then but. there was. Uh, <laughs> um. There was another this the worst the worst bombing experience ever happened on national television. Yes. Unfortunately. I did uh Bill Bellamy's Who's Got Jokes. First night I was there, I get a standing ovation. I I get a standing ovation. I advanced to the semifinals. I beat a dude who was a writer for Chris Rock. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I had not been like I mean, I had not been taking comedy seriously for that long. I was maybe like I don't know seven eight months sober or something so it's a lot of pressure to have on somebody whose brain is just sort of like figuring <laughs> out how to function again you're just a lot of energy yeah like, hey you danced i remember you did a little twerking yeah. and stuff yeah so i'm i'm new to this whole thing right and um and uh so the next anyway you know i'm so excited but I'm also like so anxious and I did not sleep for, uh, I, I mean, I, I was just so anxious. I was having a tough time sleeping. I really couldn't sleep well. I, mm -hmm. I was, so I was like, my roommate had sleep apnea, which meant he snored like a bore. Um, my dad was there to support me. I mean, I was just, it was just so much pressure. So, I mean, sleep deprivation, like, like crazy sleep deprivation to where I was sort of like delirious. You know, I mean, I, but I just wasn't thinking straight. And then, um, so I get on stage, right? Then the, the, the next round and people are like, you know, people are thinking that like, I'm this, I'm the next big thing. You know what I mean? Like the people are talking about like this random kid that got a, you know, 23 year old kid that got a standing ovation Yeah. the night on Bill Bellamy's show. And like, who is this guy, right? I mean, I mean, I look like a kid, you know yeah. what I mean? And so uh, then I go out the next night and I try to, I, I like backstage and I just change my set at the last second and I go out on stage and I say one joke, open with a new joke. First off, you don't ever do that, especially when you're on national yeah, TV exactly. and you have three minutes. It, <laughs> it's, it tanks. <laughs> then the next joke tanks. And then I just like, I have a legitimate panic attack. And it was as if I was watching myself perform from above my body. <laughs> and dude, no one's laughing. It was like having an out of body experience and I'm just talking and I don't even know what I'm saying essentially. I mean, it's just, it is just ranting. And um, people are looking at me like, Bill Bellamy comes out on stage and he said, man, you reminded me of that AirTran commercial. You know which one I'm talking about? Want to get away? <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, you crushed that guy's dreams, you know? And so everyone's cracking up. And uh, then the next set I come out, I'm so demoralized and I'm just so heartbroken. It was the, there's a comedy skills challenge. So I go out on stage and they make you improv, you know, like they mm -hmm. throw something at you. And, and one of the things was like, I, it was crazy. They made me pick from a briefcase and it was a wig and I had to improv around with this, using this wig. And I came out and I told a, a good joke. It actually killed 
And then I was so depressed that I just said, you know what, I'm done. And I gave up. I just said, you can just, I'm, I'm done. Oh. And they just like, and they just like stopped. And Bill Bellamy came out on stage. He's like, man, you know, that was, <laughs> and so, so, you know, I get clowned by him in the panel a little bit, or, you know, it was more just sad. Uh, but he was really yeah. sweet to me afterwards, you know, but like it, it was, dude, that was, that was the roughest I don't. I can't imagine ever having a worse experience on stage than that. Up next, Carlos Miller, aka the new Martin Lawrence, one of the forces of nature in the comedy world, straight out of Atlanta by way of Mississippi. This episode, I'll just say, I showed up and there were um, two strippers, and that's all I'll say. So uh, enjoy this clip, and then go back and listen to his full Hot Breath episode. Enjoy. You will. Having a bad set don't even mean getting booed. Some sets that some sets you can you can do the crowd will tell you you did great, but it's you. It'll just make you cringe because it's like you don't believe in the shit. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's hard to watch yourself, and if it's like, especially if you're one of those comedians who like love to see your progression like you don't want to watch some shit you did six months ago because you don't even rock like that no more not that you change everything but it's like you just in a different place in your right. life now mm -hmm. you don't even do those kind of jokes you don't feel that type of way no more you was going through a breakup then now you happy like that's your dark moments yeah, you know yeah. what i'm saying or you could just tell where you like your jokes like identify you so if it's like if you hear that you're like oh i don't that joke was about my friend <laughs> and i ain't even really i don't even feel like that no more you know what i mean well, can you tell us a, a story of the old Carlos getting booed on stage? But I don't have no stories like that. You've never gotten booed. But I do. I'm not. Bullsh Keys. I'm not bullshitting you at mm. all. No flex. No propaganda. <laughs> I don't have no story. I had a show where it was just. Well, I had a bad set to me, and it was just an empty ass room, and then it was. <laughs> Just an awkward-ass situation, and nothing really came out of it. It wasn't like, I got booed. I don't know. There's a lot of people who don't like me, but those aren't... See, people focus too much on those types of moments. That's not the shit that make you good. Right. Getting booed. What about that time where I rocked 8,000 people, and they all was like, that nigga crazy. That's the <laughs> shit that you should be talking about. <laughs> or when you can rock in a room with 400 people who ain't never been out after 12 o'clock. For the first time, not drinking, not doing drugs, and they like they feel good about it. Them the moments like that's the shit that you should be focused on. When people, when you ain't never met in your life, want you to take pictures with their kids and their family and hold a baby and tell you why they love you and how many times they done watched you on this show and that show and they proud of you. Fuck the failures. All right, winding down here with a comedy legend, Ari Spears. We were working together at Uptown, so we sat down and talked about everything in his career. He gave some great advice on how to do impressions, so spot on like he does, but he has a great failure and redemption story of performing at Madison Square Garden. So enjoy this clip and then go enjoy the full episode. It was, here's a boo story, but redemption at the same <laughs> okay. time. Um, I just did the garden. Um, a couple of weeks ago with Tracy Morgan. Oh, and wow. it was my third time doing the garden. 
and uh, my first experience there, and you know, I'm from New York and being from New York and, you know, you always want to do well in your backyard. So I did the garden my first time and I was what, 17? This was right after wow. I did Def, well, yeah, after I did Def Jam and, and the, you know, this is just when Def Jam came out. So mm -hmm. some of the hottest comics from the show, I think it was Eddie Griffin, Bill Bellamy, Adele Givens, Bernie Mac, and we all did the garden and I got booed mercilessly. <laughs> Uh, it just, my mother was there, my friends was oh. there. And the funny thing is, you know, I'm sure you've been to New York, but it may seem like a long distance from, I was staying on 55th Street, my hotel, and the garden is like on 30-something. Mm -hmm. Now, that's almost 20-something blocks. Uh, it may seem like a long distance, but New York blocks are short, so you could walk from 53rd and be at 33rd in 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um but that was the longest walk back <laughs> from the garden that I took that night. And it was, it was, it was late, but wasn't too late. But New York is always crowded. So it's to say that there was a lot of people on the streets, still some cars roaming around. But that walk from the garden back to my hotel, it was just like I was Bill Bixby in the Hulk. You heard the and it was just me with, with no backpack, but just walking down that lonely road. And I just kept hearing that music in my head. Cars going by. Every now and then I would look over my shoulder and check for a possible uh, car to pick me up. Right. It was, it was, it was man. Yeah. But, but, but uh, with my show with Tracy, I, I totally came and, and, and flipped it around and had had success, major success. So I was nervous that entire day. I didn't leave my hotel room. I just kept going, wow. don't get booed, don't get booed. And, you know, it, it was it worked out. We're going to close this out with nine-time Emmy winner Rory Albanese. He was the executive producer for The Daily Show for almost 10 years. And he's also an amazing comedian I had the pleasure of working with right here in Atlanta at the Punchline. So much great advice in this interview. And he shares some advice he learned from working with Lewis Black that really sums up the entire Booth Thousand you know what here's what i'll say if you want like the bombs i mean the the famous bomb story i always tell people is when i first started doing this and i was probably you know 24 years old and lewis black took me out on the road because i was i i was sort of producing his segment at the daily show and um so he and i he and i are very close we became he's lewis like my uncle you know and uh so he took me out on the road with him and he was still doing clubs and he took me to a place in new jersey called the stress factory he brought me there and this is a rough room man this is not this is like South Jersey mm -hmm. bikers, tough guys like, and this is Lewis Black still at clubs, so his audience was rough. You wow, know? I don't know if you ever saw the movie Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze, yeah. but it was like that where they're throwing like, <laughs> like you need chicken wire in front of the stage. And uh, I get on stage, man, at this club, and I eat shit like no one has ever eaten shit in the history of stand up. And my like mouth is pasty. I'm doing mm -hmm. like subway jokes, you know. I'm like, hey, you guys ever take the you ever take the E train out of Union Square? And they're like, suck a dick, you know. <laughs> they like, well, they were just yelling shit at me, wow. like, no, like, shut up. We're just talking. Like, I was like, I'm gonna get murdered. And I was like, just stand up there. I was like, my mouth was. I was just. It was one of the most horrific experiences I ever had. And then, um, 
And the whole time I had him, like, Lewis Black gave me an opportunity to open for him. Mm-hmm. I completely blew it. This will never happen again. I've ruined my stand-up career. And then I walk back into the green room, and he's in the green room fucking dying. <laughs> and he's just like, he's like, ah, he's like, you fucking bomb, you know? And I'm like, what? You're not mad? He's like, man, he's like, I brought you here to bomb. That's what he said. And I went, what do you mean? He goes, you thought you were going to, he was like, you thought you were going to do well here? And then it was like one of these like sink or swim lessons, you know, and then on the car ride back to the city, because I had another show to do after, which is the worst part when wow. you bomb like that, because mm-hmm. you don't have a second act. Like right. I only had my eight <laughs> minutes. So I was like, well, I got to do the eight minutes again and I'm just going to bomb again. Like there was no, it's not like there was going to be a new outcome. You right. know, it was the same shit. And um, so I, uh, on the ride home, he goes, let me ask you this. I was like, yeah. And he goes. I was because I felt so bad. I was so apologetic. He goes, let me ask you this. It was, you still want to do stand up? I go, yeah. And he goes, you're fucked. That's what he said. Hilarious. (laughs) He goes, if you still want to do it after that, you're fucked for life. Like, that's it. If you want, and that's an important thing for people to remember. Like, and Lewis said this, he gave me so much great stand up advice. And one of his best things he ever told me was stand up is bombing. That's what it is. It's not accolades and people throwing panties at the stage. It's bombing. It's you standing on stage and saying things you think that are funny and people not liking you. Boo. Boo. Yes. Moral of the story. Comedy is bombing. That sums it up so eloquently. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Wherever you found this episode, please hang out with me through this outro. Hang out a couple more minutes. I would just request, if you enjoyed this episode and all the hard work I'm putting in to Hot Breath, please leave an iTunes review. That is the best way to help get and spread the message. Another great way, if you're like, no, I only listen to the podcast on iTunes. I don't actually review it. I know you spend hours on each episode researching and then editing and recording the intros and outros, but I can't spare two minutes to even just click five stars on the app I'm already listening to. I understand you're very busy in your cubicle or sitting in traffic or wherever you are in your hot breath of I understand. I appreciate you even just listening. Another good way is to tell a friend, tell a family member if you think Somebody you know is like, hey, I think they would enjoy this podcast. They're a fan of podcasts. Let them know. Hot breath. It's a new day. 2017. We are moving past 2016. On to 2017. If you'd like to keep up with me and all of my happenings, whether it be the podcast, uh, my comedy class, I teach a stand-up comedy class, or even... My comedy show, I host every Wednesday at Java Monkey in Decatur, Georgia. All the info about me is at, at Joel Byers Comedy on social media or joelbyerscomedy.com. Please, if you're on social media, share it. I'm not even going to ask you to follow me. Just share the episodes. Hit me up on social media. What was your favorite Boo 1016 story. Hashtag Boo 1016. I don't know. I'm trying to start hashtags. That's silly. Anyway. But of course, you're going to see on my website, I have a new podcast logo. We're really going to make 2017 the best year yet. And thank you, I've got to say, to Comedy Artwork 
he made my new logo, he's made my portrait, he's made flyers for me. If you have any design needs, go to ComedyArtwork.com, follow him on social media at ComedyArtwork. Without a doubt, one of the best artists in the game, and he's only going to keep climbing my my comedy, my brand, my everything has only gotten better since working with Comedy Artwork and him helping identify what it is I'm trying to do. And you guys listening and supporting has helped me as well. Your feedback is always appreciated. I won't mention the iTunes review again. You know. You know you've thought about it, and you're like not doing it out of spite. You're like, okay, I'll listen to the episodes, but I'm not going to actually you know, go out of my way to support it. You know, I'll just listen and then not tell anybody or not let him know I'm listening. And that's fine. I understand we all have important things to do. So that's why I won't hold you up anymore. We'll go ahead and uh, get out of here so you can have time to hop on over to iTunes and leave a review. <laughs> See what I did there? So, thank you for listening. Thank you to my engineer, Amon Garner, he keeps all these episodes sounding crystal clear. If you have any audio needs, hit him up on Facebook. He's absolutely incredible. And of course, the theme song, thank you to my bae, my fiance, my fiance bae, for the awesome theme song and the awesome help just in life. So I guess we're going to go ahead and land this plane. Until next time, next Monday, right here on Hot Breath. Hot Breath.